0: What a incredible couple of weeks we've had. I uh, hope you're all doing well. I can see your faces on the screen. People are wearing suits. People are dressed up. People have got their makeup on. Everyone's looking all ready to get into the things of God. And can I just say church is not, church is not just happening today. Church has been happening all week. Uh, in the last seven days, We've been, we've been going house to house. In fact, if you have not had the opportunity to do a document uh, or sign a form for anointing your home, I'd encourage you to do that because we've literally been going home to home and seeing God move. We've seen people baptize in the Holy Spirit. We've seen people experience the joy of the Lord. In fact, this week I was one of the houses I visited was Ted. I can see Ted, you're on the screen. And we had such a powerful moment. Uh, you know, the joy of the Lord broke out in such an incredible way. And I just believe even right now, the joy is still in your home. And I, I believe right now that God is doing something incredible through you and you're gonna use you, Ted, To touch your family in the days to come and so i just want us to be prepared i just want us to open our hearts Uh, let's not just wait for a physical service sometimes we can sort of say i miss the physical service and yes i miss it too but you know just as pastor lee shared this morning we're hearing from people around the world that's being impacted having dreams having visions of jesus and so I just want to encourage you right now to just open up your hearts let's set the atmosphere let's set our minds ready let's not just be uh, can i encourage you maybe not to be texting people maybe not to be checking on instagram while on zoom Uh, we can do that afterwards there's going to be a breakout room and things like that but but i just want you to lean in and listen to what the lord has to say over the last couple of weeks we've been really focusing on this one topic don't limit god don't limit god in fact two weeks ago i shared about Uh, how how we can limit God. Uh, And I want to build on that. And and if you want to look for a subtitle of this message, it's hashtag cancel fear. Hashtag cancel fear. We set the premise based on this one scripture, Psalm 78 verse 40 and 41. It says, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Two weeks back, we established this, incredible unbelievable truth that we can limit God I mean God is the unlimited one but how can we limit him and we sort of set the premise on it and we studied how we can limit God by our mindsets how sometimes our mind can become a limiting force or sort of be the framework through which we see the lens of faith and how that can limit what God wants to do through us we studied how we can limit God through how we compare not just comparing with the bad things, but also comparing with the good things and not just comparing ourselves with others, but ourselves with our own selves. Oh, I can't do this because this is my family history or this is my background or this is my limitation or I've already gone so far and I'm better off than this person or that person and I'm doing okay. And even that can be sometimes a limitation. We also recognize how unbelief limited Jesus when he went to his own hometown that he could do not much miracles i mean think about this jesus the king of kings the lord of lords was limited by the unbelief around him downport church i'm praying that we will not be that kind of church that when jesus comes and jesus is here that when he walks amongst us that when he's in our homes when he's interacting with us that that He wants to do miracles, but He cannot because of the unbelief. That we would be a church that would have faith, that we would have a church that would be different to the culture, that we would be a church that would rise up and say, you know what, we are different. Yeah, we may not be going against the flow of factual thinking, but we are people that are filled with faith, that will still believe that God can raise the dead, that God can cleanse the leper, that God can heal cancer, that blind eyes can, can open, that we still believe that He can do everything that is worth promises us that he can. Let's be that church. But as I was thinking about how we can limit God, one of the ways we limit God is by fear. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And if maybe you are someone, and that's all of us, hey, we all have a level of fear. We all have a level of anxiousness, all have a level of concern or whatever. If you're you're sort of a person that, that seems to be the centrality of of how things operate in your world, I believe this message is gonna be powerful. It's a simple message, it's not gonna to be too long, but I believe if you are listening and if you're engaging, I believe God's gonna to speak to you in a powerful way. Because one of the things that fear does is fear paralyzes us from doing anything. I wanna step out, but I'm not sure. I wanna do this, but I'm not sure. I wanna make a decision, but I'm not sure. And fear captivates us, fear captures us paralyzes us to the point that eventually we do nothing and in that act of doing nothing we limit god we never walk into the fullness we never walk into the fulfillment of what god has for us and one of the ways we limit god even in the act of fear is because we fear the unknown i'm not sure if it's going to work out i'm not sure if it's going to happen pastor leah shared last week about that when we fall when we're in this thing called the race and when we fall, we experience this thing called falling. And, and she sort of defined that as failing. And one of the reasons why we fear is because we fear to fail. He's like, I wanna do it, but, but what if I fail? What, what's everyone gonna think about me? And, and we get so caught up in this whole understanding of we, we've built real estates in our mind on, we, we've built fear estates in our brains, fear estates. Fear estate. You say you don't own a home? Well, let me tell you. You own a skyscraper. It lives in your head. It's called fear estate. On a, on a, la- on a lane called anxiety, right next to Disappointment Cafe. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We've got, we've got this thing going on here. Let me tell you, I know we're laughing, but this is the reality, friend, that, that even when we hear a word from God, we take it through the lens of that fear estate. And, and we took it to the, take it to the lane of, 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 of regret and pass it through the alleyway of unbelief and take it on the highway of 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 unforgiveness and jump into the subway of offense and take on the airplane of i don't believe anything that anybody is saying that airlines it's a long one but you are are on it you know the flight attendant you know the pilot you know what i'm talking about fear estate is a city that can live in our brains and can limit us from stepping into the unlimited resources and into the unlimited promises that god has for us i remember talking to someone who wanted to walk in the will of god and and, and they said uh, you know and i said what do, what do you want to do like you know because sometimes we want to walk in the will of god but we have a certain idea it's like what do you want to do? do you want to you know step into ministry do you want to pastor do you want to and they felt this call to go into bible college and then we started talking and they're like yeah and, and they, they had bought books and manuals and prospectus, and they went to info info nights, like 17 different Bible college info nights, but never done anything for years. And finally, as I began to dig deeper, it came down to this point of, the reason why I don't wanna go to Bible college is because as a child, they heard the story of a missionary that came to their church and shared about how they went to Bible college and got a call to Africa. And so really, the person wanted to step into the things of God, but was scared that if they really step into the things of God, that God would call them to Africa. Are you with me? Now, number one, God doesn't work that way. He's not a God who repeats the story. But here's the thing, right? Even if God calls you to Africa, it may be the greatest thing. You might be the next Reinhard Bonke. Think about it. You're keeping yourself from entering into the fullness of God. Because there's already a perception, there's already a a framework, there's already a mindset, there's already a, 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 a building that's been set on the premise that you think that God's about to speak to you. Can I encourage us this morning? What is the thing that God is really, you know, deep down inside that you might need to take a step in that direction. But there's fear of the unknown. And there's a fear of already how you think it's all gonna pan out. And some of us are just afraid to do anything yet are failing because we are not doing anything. I'm so afraid to do anything. And that in itself becomes our biggest failure because we never do do anything. And the biggest failure is when we play it too safe because we're afraid of making mistakes. I wanna do this but I wanna play it safe and- I might make this mistake. And I just want to encourage us this. I want to share another story. Talking about Bible college, here's another story. Uh, I heard this years back. A friend of mine in the U.S. was planning this mission, mission trip. A couple of thousand dollars. Husband and wife goes to the church. The wife feels the Lord moving her heart to go on this mission trip. They sign up, go to the training, go through the info, info thing. She, she, in the end, she makes the decision to go. He makes the decision to stay. And on the night before the mission strip, the husband called the pastor who was taking the team on this mission trip and says, well, you know, I'm not comfortable sending her alone on this mission strip. And he's like, you can still come and we'll make it work. And no, 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 actually we've made the decision. He didn't even let his wife talk. We've made the decision that she's not gonna go on this trip. It's unsafe, it's dangerous. You know, uh, anything can happen, all, all the story. And so the team goes on the mission strip while his wife is living in, you know, the story in America, beautiful America, living the land uh, land of the brave, land of the free, just enjoying life. Little did she know that two days from that, that phone call, she was gonna drive to get something from the supermarket and a drunk man rams into a car and she dies. And, and when a funeral was happening, people were all, no one was saying it, but people were all having the thought that she should have been on this mission strip. Now, I'm not saying that nothing would have happened there, but here's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we run away from the plans of God thinking we've got a safer option. But let me tell you, the safest place is to be in the will of God. The safest place is to step out into the things of God. The safest place, even when it seems unfamiliar, even when it feels unsafe, even when it feels like the unknown, the safest place is to step into the things of God because when God calls you, safety comes with you. Regardless of what that environment, it may be unsafe for everybody else. Let me tell you, some of the places that God calls people is unsafe for people, but when God calls you, it comes with a guarantee of safety. It comes with a guarantee of His protection. He makes that place safe. It's the safest place to be. Another reason why we fear, as I shared already in my introduction, is our fear of failure a fear of failure. And so we're constantly wanting for something to happen, for something new to happen. But yet we cannot seem to step into that new thing. In fact, we know the definition of insanity. Insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Well, I want to add to that a new definition called spiritual insanity. Spiritual insanity is praying for a different life without stepping into something new. Spiritual insanity is praying for a new life without stepping into something new. You know, so many times we're praying, God, do a new thing. God, do a new thing. God, make a way where there seems to be no way. God, do a new thing. And God's like, I want to, but I need you to step into a new thing. I need you to step into a new rhythm. I need you to step into that new job. I need you to step into that new routine. I need whatever. It might be a small thing, but I just need you to step into that new thing so that you can experience the newness you've been asking for and i want to give you a key this morning if you haven't gotten i mean if you haven't listened to any part of this message so far if you can take this one key this i know it's got to do with fear but it's actually got to do with the will of god because one of the questions i ask the most in as in leading a church and everything else is is what is what is the will of god and i want to give you one small key this morning god is attracted to motion God is attracted to movement. Let me tell you something about the nature of God. God doesn't require of us to be sure about everything. In fact, if I can be honest, it's probably when I've ever been sure, 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 like completely sure, it's been like 67% when I've been really sure or maybe 80%, but I've never been 100% sure because there's something about God that you notice in scripture that he's attracted to motion. God is not attracted to good intentions he's attracted to action I think so many of us carry good intentions I want to do these things for God one day I will do these things for God one day I'm going to say this and one day I'm going to sing here one day I'm going to dance here one, one day I'm going to do this I see myself doing this you know and and we have those moments but those are good intentions but let me tell you God is drawn to action the reason why the book of Acts had so many miracles was because they stepped out it's because they acted If they only had good prayers, it would have been called the book of good intentions. It's not called the book of intentions, it's called the book of Acts. It would have been called the book of intent. And the day of Pentecost, they gathered, they spoke in unknown tongues, and they had very good intentions. They chatted about good intentions. They went out for coffee and chatted about the things of God and had good intentions. They posted on Instagram about their good intentions. They put it, they went on rooftops and took great stories and put it. And they therefore behold had very good intentions. Thus saith the Lord, they had good intentions. But the reason why they had actions was because they stepped out in faith. They had intention, but they acted on those intentions. They said, you know what? We're going to, Peter, Peter, Peter and John are waking up. They go to the temple. They did not know that day they were going to heal somebody. They want their way to pray. Good intentions. But the beggar says, heal me, uh, give me money. Peter says, silver and gold, I have none. But that which I have, that which I have, I have got good intentions. But that which I have, I give. Those intentions need to be given somewhere. needs to be poured somewhere it needs to be it needs to be stepped into a new space and so all of a sudden it goes from good intention to action and let me tell you it's really really important in fact psalm 37 verse 23 check out what it says it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord and he delights in his ways the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord and some of you are like yeah that's what i want i want god to be with me. I want God to guide me. You know, the key word there for so many of us, we think is ordered by the Lord or the fact that God delights in his ways. The key word, the key word there is steps. Somebody took a step. He took one step. Oh, heaven's smiling on that. He took another step. Oh, heaven's happy with that. He took another step. Oh, heaven's okay with that. He took another step Oh, looks like things are not falling apart yet. Maybe God's with with me. Sometimes I don't know I'm in the will of God until I take 10 steps and look back and recognize that I have been in the will of God all along. The steps of a good man. Do something. Can I encourage somebody? Do something. Even if it goes wrong, just step out. The the worst thing that can happen is you do something, it goes wrong, you realize you're never going to do it again. Praise God. Gotten rid of that thought now got rid of that intention, let's step into something new. I hope this is helping somebody this morning. I want to set us free from that spirit of fear that comes along to come and take us and and remove us from what God has for us. Another another thing that we fear is the fear to continue. The fear to continue. What do I mean by that? I shared this already sort of in my previous message two weeks ago where the biggest danger is not failure. The biggest danger is success. I've seen this in, more on, in my own life that when I was starting out, I had no track record. So you make the track record, right? Are you with me? There's no track record. There's no reference point. So everything's a win. Yep. But once you've had a few wins, it's almost like your win gains a reputation. Right. So now you're like gauging all your wins. Like it's got to be as good as that win. It's got to be good as that moment. And we're trying to replicate a win when that was never the intention when we started out. And maybe you're not getting what I'm saying, but I want to share with you about a guy called David. A guy called David, in the Bible, incredible man, anointed by God, called to lead the nation of Israel, one of Israel's greatest kings, killed, took down a giant called Goliath. He was always meant to be a giant slayer. He was always meant to take down giants. He was always meant to be in the forefront of the battle. But the problem with David was he fought too many, he fought too many fights. And then he just said, you know what? I've had too many wins. I don't want to have any more losses. In fact, we all know the story, the not so nice story about David, where he's one day, he wakes up, looks out of the balcony, looks at somebody else's wife, wants a piece of that, gets involved in a, in a promiscuous way, commits a murder eventually. But I want to I sort of scroll back to how it actually began. Can I do that? We're not going to read the whole fall from grace story but i want to read just before the premise of it check out what it says second kings chapter 11 verse 1. in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war david sent joab and the israelite army to fight the ammonites they destroyed the ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. however david stayed behind in jerusalem the very next verse literally says and david got down and looked at his balcony Seize this lady, are you with me? Check it out, in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war. Think about that. What do kings do? They go to war. What do we do? We step into new territory. What are we called to do? We're called to take a step of faith. David chooses to recline. David chooses to sit back. In fact, he outsourced what only he needed to step into. So many times, the reason why we're struggling with the things that we're struggling with is not necessarily because there's a struggle, is because we're choosing to not enter into the field, into the territory that God has assigned us to to step into, out of that fear of failure, out of fear of continuing, out of fear of stepping into the the things of God. King David stayed home, trying to be safe, avoiding the battle, not knowing his complacency and his fear to continue would end up becoming his biggest downfall. You know, when I think about our church, we've been in this game for four years. We've had a few success stories. We've put on a few conferences. We've seen a few baptisms happen. And as a pastor, there has been moments where I've been tempted to just jump on the COVID train. Pastor, why is this not Oh, COVID man? well where's all this well COVID bro COVID it's COVID man did you get the jab <laughs> it's COVID I won't go there some of you are unfriending me already <laughs> it's COVID you know what I'm saying like we can we can we can use this whole thing to blame COVID we oh it's COVID we're just trying to plot along Whoa, man relationships are not good what happened COVID bro I thought it should be better. You guys are spending time all the time, like now with lockdown, oh, that's a problem. But you know, we can always, I, I, we meet people all the time that can just blame COVID. And, and, and as a leader, as a pastor, I can do that. I can. We can just blame COVID. But let me tell you what's happened, right? So, you know, I, I wasn't sure if I need to share this, but might as well, since I've said, let me tell you what's happened. Now I can't really put myself out of that statement. So I'll tell you what's happened. So obviously, as you as you know, If you look at our church 2019, in 2019, we were running two services. I think we were averaging 280, sometimes 300 in the early parts of of, of 2019, but probably 280, 250 people. We are well and truly half of that now. Uh, There's been obviously a lot of resetting happening. The buildings changed, all things. It is what it is, right? So you've got 2019 pre-COVID, 2021 post-COVID, right? So all of 2020... The thing that's helped us really carry in in a sense with with everything else has been JobKeepers. JobKeepers has been a blessing. We praise God for JobKeepers. We praise God for our our government, for their generosity, all that, I'm not pointing a finger here, but we just had a recent lockdown, right? So we had a recent lockdown. And so I reached out to our accountant and I said, hey, you know, because now when you're in the building project, I'll take money from everything. You know, what I'm saying I'm taking pocket money from Elise right now for the building. So 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 I I contacted I contacted I want to apologize. I'm a pastor, I'm an Indian, you go figure. So 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 uh, I I contacted our accountant, and I said, Hey, jobkeepers is here, let's get some money, like yada yada yada. She writes back to I think she was as shocked as me. She writes back to us and she goes, she literally compares week by week. August 2019, keep in mind, when we were two services, 280 people in attendance, to August 2021, where we are no service physically, online, and way less of that many people, and our income has far exceeded what we were getting in 2019. So we don't qualify for JobKeepers. Now, I know that we're also doing a Heart for the House offering, which you'll hear about, and the carnal Alvin and me is like, don't say this to the people because they'll stop giving. You better start giving. You keep giving, all right, keep doing. The reason I'm saying this is because what we are doing is working and God's hand is upon us, church. But I believe the reason why we're in this place financially is not because we're plodding along with COVID. It's because we've said, no, we're gonna take on territory. It doesn't make sense that in the time of a depression, in the times of a recession, we're taking on a building, no but we're not banking on earth's economy. We're banking on heaven's economy. And we're saying, no, God's bringing something else. There's a, there's a new wind of a Spirit that's blowing through this place. We are believing for a move of God. We stepped into a move of God. And as we are doing that, God's honoring the steps of the church. We did not know if that step is right, or if that step is wrong. But as we're stepping, we're seeing the hand of God. And I just pray and hope that this is an encouragement to you that God is building his church, but it's all because people have just chosen to step out in faith, not knowing if it's gonna be okay. I wanna ask us this question this morning. Can you confidently pray, whatever, God, whatever you need from me, I'm willing to do. I've been asking myself this question. God, whatever you need from me, I'm willing to do. In the 1800s, a young man was in a meeting in Chicago. And he heard a preacher say the world has never seen what God can do through one person who's totally committed to him. That young person walked out with the thought, I will be that man. That man was Deal Moody. Now, I don't know if you know, this is in the 1800s, but people celebrate Bishop T.D. Jakes, but Bishop T.D. Jakes got his preaching style from Deal Moody. Deal Moody was the, the the articulate breakdown person. He had this incredible ability where he could take one word. Most of his sermons were around one to two words, and he would break it, twist it, tilt it, bring 15 different angles to it, bring it through all these other stories in the Bible. Deal Moody was so articulate. But what you did not know was that Deal Moody only studied till grade three. And the reason why Deal Moody preached that way was because he could not read properly. So this is how D.L. Moody would preach: "Now faith is the substance of things hope." And then he would reach the word "evidence," and he didn't know how to read it, so he would stop there. "Now faith, now faith. It's not yesterday's faith. It's not tomorrow's hope. It's now faith." This is what you Literally, this is how Deal Moody would preach, and it's become a style now. God used the limitation of a limited human being because he said, if I could step into the things of God, if I could step into whatever God says, I will go. Let me tell you, back in Deal Moody's days, to join a church, they had to do a test. I read that the other day. I was like, ah, that's not too bad. They had to do a test, right? Deal Moody was rejected from three churches because he never passed the test. Even after being an articulate preacher. And he was then forced, just was forced to Start his own church. He with me? They're telling me to use the microphone. This point is too profound that they want me to use the microphone. Can you guys hear me better? Is that better now? deal Moody literally could not go to into any churches that he had to start his own church, and they say that at once in one point of his life he spoke to 150,000 people. This is what God can do. Not with my intellect, not with my talent, not with my ability. But just when we say, God, whatever you need me to do, I'm willing to do. I can't read, I can't articulate, but here I am, send me. I love that last song we sang about revival. Here I am, send me. Here we are, send us God. We are willing to to believe, God, that we are not going to put a lid on you. We are not going to put a limit on you. We're not going to put a clause on you. We're going to step out into everything that you have for us. Even right now, as I'm saying this, I just want to prophesy over people that have put a lid on situations because they've got their own limitations. And friend, let me tell you, we all have our own limitations. But friend, you are connected to a source that is unlimited. You're connected to the power of God. You're connected to the strength of heaven. You've got all of heaven backing you up. And I want to prophesy right now into people that have been holding on to stuff for 15 years, for 5 years, for 10 years no matter how long it's been and I declare in the name of Jesus let those limitations not hold you back but let's pray the prayer of D.L. Moody that said God I will do it's a scary prayer to pray even as I say it I will do whatever you want me to do I will go wherever you want me to go I will say whatever you want me to say I will give whatever you want me to give and let me tell you, when we do that, we will see the move of God that we've been singing about. Another fear that people carry is the fear of man. Oh, this this is probably the biggest fear we're living in. in this. Uh, we, we're scared to say things, right? Because we we just want people to agree with us. We're scared about this. But check out what's Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. It says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare another translation says fear of man is a dangerous thing but whoever trusts in the lord is kept safe fear of man i believe there are people right now here in the service the biggest fear you're carrying is not the fear to continue the fear of the past the fear of failure but it's actually the fear of man it's not even like there's a physical person out there that you're scared of it's a spirit and I, let me tell you fear is a spirit And I'm praying, I've been praying all morning for this point right here, saying, God, as I say these words, as I preach this message, that you would break the grip of fear over the lives of people. I want to do it, but I don't know what people will think. I want to do it, but I don't know what my mom will think. I want to do it, but I don't know what my spouse will think. I want to do it, but I don't know what my girlfriend will say. I want to I, I break fear over you. I, I want to do it. I don't know what my boss will think. You know, all these excuses we have, but I, this morning I'm praying that the grip of fear be broken over your life even right now I know I'm supposed to be speaking and teaching right now but I feel I feel a prophetic anointing I've been feeling it from probably the last five minutes and I just want you to be in reception mode. maybe it's for you to get on your knees maybe it's for you to lift your hands look come on let's just get activated right now in the spirit realm right now Lord I bind everything that seems to be lazy I bind everything that seems to be complacent and right now father let people sense the anointing that I'm feeling in my bones I release it right now Lord even over this camera in the name of Jesus, I break against childhood curses. I break against curses that have been spoken to you from your mother, from your father, from your principal, from your uncles. I'm not sure where it's come from, but in the name of Jesus, I break every bondage, I break every stronghold. I come against that spirit because God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power, love. And some mine. I I come against that right now. I feel the strong church. I didn't come prepared to speak this way, but I feel the strong right now. I feel the strong, I know it would have been great if you were here in the building, but it doesn't matter right where you're at right now. Lord, I take authority. I take authority. I take authority over this fear that's trying to grip our generation. I take authority over the spirit that's trying to over this fear that's trying to grip our church, that's trying to grip your people, that's trying to hold the children of Israel back from the promised land right here right now. I come against that right now. Praise God. I don't know what happened there. So he's where I need your help. I need you to tell me what happened. Share a story, share a testimony. Share what God did in your life. We want you to know we love you. We're here for you. Let me tell you, church is not just here on a Sunday. Church is every day. Church is where you are. Church is where you are. Let us know. We want to pray with you. We've seen miracles left light center. Let me tell you. We've seen more miracles in the last, this season, than we've ever seen in the last four years at Downpour. And it's weird because it's like, there's not a platform, there's not people. So it's like, how do we share these stories? We'll hear all these stories soon. But God's not done yet. God's doing something fresh, my friend. And so let us know what God is doing. We want to pray with you. We want to be there for you. And I believe there's no miracle that's too difficult for our God. I want you to know we love you. We're here for you. And we believe that your best days in Jesus' name are right in front of you. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Regan.